0: Welcome to the fourth episode of the podcast, Here to Help. Just to recap, I am the host, Jessica Glynn, and I am telling my brother's story as well as my family's story of the aftermath of a loss like this. I've been doing readings from the letters that I have written to my brother in the year's time after his passing. And with each letter, I go into further detail about what that day meant to me and how it affected me and my family as well. I've also started to get into the spiritual aspect of this whole experience So it's not just the grief, it's also, I hate to use the word positives, but it's also the lighter side of things of when my brother may have sent us signs or connected with a family member. So today's reading is going to be about the few days before Thanksgiving, and then I will go into the actual day of Thanksgiving which is the first holiday that we had without him. It was just about two weeks after his passing and then I shortly and briefly go into going to my parents property upstate where we had made a memorial for my brother. So I will get into that and then we will discuss further detail each each um, letter from the readings so the first letter is from november 20th crying tonight to doug about how guilty i feel I feel so much heaviness when I think about you and how closed off I was towards the end of your life. I feel guilty even writing it down, but I was anxious when you called or texted me because I didn't know what kind of mood you'd be in. This makes me feel like a horrible person. I feel guilty for feeling this way. I feel guilty for not trying harder to get you to come around. For not making you feel less lonely, or not contacting you more. Guilt, guilt, guilt. After my crying really loud, Bryce came downstairs asking what had happened. I think I traumatized this poor kid that when he hears me crying, he thinks something terrible has happened. I told him that everything was okay, that I just missed you, and I was sad. So he came over and he hugged me. He went back upstairs and Doug walked into the kitchen. I could feel like a block of ice on my Indian-style cross legs on the couch. I said, as Doug walked back towards me, that you were either with me or it was really cold in the room. Doug said, yeah, wow, I was just going to say how cold it was right here. Then he said, it's like he knows that you're sad and you need him. I texted Jen telling her these sequence of events. She immediately called me to tell me that she saw a shining star, which then led to her envision the medallion or mirror reflecting light again. She knew you were with me. She reached for her phone to text me. And her phone went off. It was me texting her about what had just transpired. Thanksgiving was pretty rough. Thinking of you, sick to my stomach, that you're not going to show up at my house to eat with us. Mom and dad are both off, holding it together, but we're all in a fog. I set a place for you at the table with a rosary, a wooden cross, and your police flag hat you had. Doug took it from your room. I felt good having a setting for you because we were not forgetting you, but it was just a reminder that this is all real. I had caught Dad sitting at the table by himself staring at the place setting earlier in the night. It's like a punch to the stomach. To not only have to process this for myself, but to also watch mom and dad hurting. It's just so much emotion, and I know wherever you are now, you are not hurting anymore. However, I guarantee you did not think of how much hurt you would cause. The next day, we headed upstate to the property. We had your ashes and the urn that dad got on Amazon it's a blue rock and it's beautiful we are heading up to make you a memorial this was super hard because we cleaned out the back room where you stayed at the property and seeing all the Sega games we used to play together, our inside joke with the Jurassic Park game crayons, Jurassic Park game my game yeah our own Christmas Day commercial as we used to say I feel warmth in having this to think of but sick that all that I have with you at this point is all that I will ever have Doug got us up and moving to get the memorial started he went up to splish splash to collect rocks to outline the area where your memorial would be Jen called Doug a little later that day and asked if he was making something for you and if he was cursing at you while kicking his feet in the dirt. Doug got pretty emotional and told her, Yes, that did happen. She said that you were thanking him and saying, They need you, bro. I could not believe this. She didn't even know we were going upstate. I'll admit, I was jealous that you didn't mention me. Lisa and Joe came up and surprised us. Joe and I had a good talk in the car about you. I just told him about how much guilt I still feel. into detail about the first entry that I read, which was on November 20th. There's no way to describe the amount of guilt that you can feel in this kind of situation. I can't speak for other situations because I have never been through them, but speaking on The situation where losing somebody to suicide, I can say that I know for a fact there is a tremendous amount of guilt. Whether you are someone that was really close with the person that passed away, or you haven't spoken to them in five years, there's always some kind of guilt I feel that you harbor. And as his sister, I can't explain a physical weight that I would feel on my chest when I thought about things that I could have done differently, um, things that I could have said differently, and to this day, I I still think about this kind of guilt, and I still struggle with this kind of guilt. I don't think it's to the extent of, you know, a week after the passing, but It is something that, you know, does really hit you hard because those what-ifs are always the hardest to process because with the what-if and the situation, you know that you'll never get the answer. You can't turn back time. You can't change anything to bring him back. So it gets really hard. Um... And with the the chills that I was feeling, it was the same kind of sensation that I felt when I had been laying in bed, trying to fall asleep that night. And it's just really strange because it's always, it seemed to always happen when I was alone and like, you know, really thinking about everything and really just alone in my own thoughts and upset about it. And... It really was crazy to me that that whole thing that happened with Jen and how she was reaching for my phone to tell me like, oh my God, I totally feel like Chris is with her. And I was texting her as she picked up her phone to say like, I think my brother is with me because, you know, I'm feeling this cold sensation. It's really hard to explain, but I think I mentioned it in one of the other letters. It's it's like being sitting right next to an ice luge, like you can feel the cold radiating off of, you know, a big block of ice. And that's exactly what it feels like out of nowhere. And then it just goes away. So it's very strange. Um, And then going into Thanksgiving, um, it may sound silly to say that You know, you expect that person that you know is no longer there to walk in. But when you become so accustomed to someone in your life and having them there, and then they're all of a sudden not there, it's really hard to not only accept it, but to release so quickly that habit of having that person there with you. I remember having a conversation with someone on the phone after my brother had passed away and, you know, they were telling me that I had to, you know, basically accept it, that he was gone, that my brother was gone. And every time someone told me I had to accept it, like I just had to, you know, you have to accept it. Anytime somebody said that, and they didn't mean it in, you know, a malicious way, But anytime somebody said that, I literally would feel like somebody was ripping my heart out and almost feeling like wanting to have a temper tantrum, like stomping my feet, screaming, crying, like, no, no, I don't have to. I don't want to. No, no, no. And I just, it was really hard to accept that this was my new fate. This is This was my new life, and my new life didn't include my brother. And how am I supposed to continue my life without him? So this is something that I'm sure, again, this could connect with somebody that, you know, loses anybody. It doesn't necessarily have to be just from... A suicide. It's just a really hard thing. You know, I expected my brother to walk in the door on Thanksgiving and come sit down and eat with us. And I had to accept that that wasn't going to happen. And I didn't want to accept it. Um, I think back and I don't even know how, like myself and my parents made it through that day, through Thanksgiving Day. Um, Any kind of holiday or birthday, you know, the firsts are always so hard. It builds up with so much expectation and anxiety about how you're going to get through it. But somehow you do. It may not be, well, it's definitely not going to be, you know, what it would have been if that person was still there. But somehow you do get through it. And I've had this conversation with a friend of mine who had had a loved one pass away, and that person's birthday had come up, and then I think Christmas as well, and she had said to me, you know, like, how how am I going to get through this? And I told her that you just do, like, the, you know, it, it may not be a happy day, it may not be a good day, but you do get through it, and... I feel like we always expect it to be worse than it really is. Um, the thing that I've come to realize is as sad as it sounds. The holidays just don't have as much meaning for me at this point anymore. I have two small children, so you know, I do my best, and with the you know holiday spirit of whatever holiday it is. And I have them to kind of distract me from everything. But yeah, they just don't ever really feel the same. But you do get through it. Um, As a fixer, I am a fixer. So not only was I trying to deal with the pain for myself, but I was also worrying about how everyone else was handling it. So... Something that I've learned is instead of internalizing these feelings or worrying about how how everyone is dealing with it, it's good to kind of just have a discussion about it. Even say, How you doing? You okay? It's hard in the beginning because everyone's kind of walking on eggshells and you know, not really knowing what to say. But I feel like it is better to for everyone to express their emotions and how they're feeling about it Uh, the Christmas commercial it's something that I will frequently think of it's very silly but I will think of it often because um, we had seen a home video from when we were younger and we were laughing about how stupid we sounded (laughs) And we were saying that we literally sound like a corny Christmas commercial. So anytime anybody was excited about something that they got or whatever, my brother and I would rehearse that saying um, of what we got for Christmas. And we would rehearse that, that, that whole situation and we would laugh about it. Um, We did it pretty often. I'm sure a few people will know exactly what I'm talking about. So Jen calling when we were upstate was pretty crazy because, again, like I had said in the entry, she didn't even know that we were going. Like I didn't voice to really anyone, you know, the exact plans that we had. Like I mentioned, we were in a fog and... Pretty numb to everything around us, so it's not like I was spreading the word about what we were doing. So, Doug had said that he was kicking the dirt around to find rocks to do the outline, and he was cursing my brother about how he should be here. So, then Jen calls later on and says, You know, I see you know, your feet kicking in the dirt and you're cursing him. It was just pretty crazy. And like I said, Doug got emotional because it was so to the point of exactly what he was doing that it was a sign for him that he was, you know, he was there with him. Um, And just to mention, Splish Splash is a big hill off my parents' property upstate. I'm not sure exactly why it's called that, um, but it is. And as I mentioned, Lisa, my aunt, and my cousin Joseph had come to surprise us upstate. That was the night that Joseph really introduced me to um, the suicide awareness group. It's called um, To Write Love on Her Arms. So he had me listening to the podcast of how this awareness group had come about, and it was a really, really great story about how this friend of theirs, um, you know, they basically took her in, and from what I remember, it was kind of like a rehabilitation, and she was depressed and suicidal, and they kind of helped her turn her life around, and, and this is the mission of this awareness group. And while it's such a great story and, you know, it has such a nice positive light to the end of it, um, it really angered me listening to it. I kind of wanted to like, I wanted to hear the rest of it, but at the same time, like I wanted to like rip the, you know, the headphones out of my ears and I didn't want to hear it because... I couldn't help my brother. So I didn't want to hear about another success story that, you know, somebody made it through and now they're living this wonderful, beautiful life. You know, I didn't want to hear that. And presently, I can say that I know it was okay that I was feeling that way. In the moment, I felt like I was really messed up for feeling it. But I just know that it's kind of like, you know, part of part of grieving and, and just processing everything that was happening to me. So in that moment, it wasn't okay for me to hear about this success of this woman, you know, coming out of her depression and coming out of her suicidal ideations and, you know, and that my brother, unfortunately, wasn't able to do that. I love hearing about success stories, you know, does it still make me think to this day, like, gee, I really wish that my brother was one of those stories, yeah, I do, of course, but I have, you know, I'm more at peace with hearing success stories now than I was back then, um, but I am very happy that my cousin Joseph introduced me to that group, because I have done, um, a few fundraisers for that awareness group. I've raised some money in honor of my brother and they've sent me some, you know, things in return for thanking me for doing the fundraisers. And I really do think that they're doing something great and I love what they stand for and how they're trying to help people. And I do wish that I was able to find a group like that for my brother, but unfortunately, um, it didn't happen that way. And again, doing that, you know, could have, would have, should have, I really can't do because I don't know what would have helped him if anything would have at all. To conclude the fourth episode of the podcast, Here to Help, I just want to say that I hope you were able to connect to some of the things that I had mentioned in the readings or when I got into further detail about the letters. And I also wanted to conclude with something that group that I had mentioned earlier had put on their page on Facebook so on Saturday they put you have worked so hard to make it to this point it wasn't easy and yet you are here we are proud of you so this could go for anybody that's dealing with anything at this moment We're all kind of going through some crazy times with this quarantine and coronavirus. So I like this quote because it's basically telling you that, you know, you've made it so far and no, it may not have been easy, but look what you did. Look what you look where you made it to and you should be proud of yourself for making it to the point that you have. And with that being said, I have to say that I feel pretty proud of where I'm at with all the things that I have been through in my own personal life and then, you know, things presently going on as well. I have to say, you know, I am proud of myself for where I'm at, and I have to remember that I have worked hard to get to where I am, and I have to just see it for what it is. So I hope that tonight resonated with you, and I hope that you tune in again for episode five. Thank you.